This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. What do I wish I would have seen when I was really struggling? And it's like women with softer bellies and like, you know, dancing around and feeling confident and okay and eating like yummy meals and not feeling guilty. And so I just want to share that it's like possible to be okay and feel okay in your body. Our self-worth is just inherent and it doesn't come from like how we look or what our bodies look like. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I hope your week is going great. Um, today we have a really special guest on. Her name is Julia Parzik. She is better known as Fit, Fat, and All That. And a lot of what we talk about today, I think everyone can relate to, whether you're a woman or a man or anything in between. Um, we've all at one point in our lives or struggle daily with body image and learning to accept or have a better mindset around it. Um, So we talk a lot about that today. And because of that, I wanted to kind of share my own journey with that. I grew up as a dancer. I started dancing at three. So it's kind of all I knew growing up. And you think about dance, you're in front of a mirror all the time. You're trying to constantly fix every little imperfection and making sure that your arms are in the right place, that your leg is straight enough, that you're hitting it hard enough, all of that stuff. But what comes with that is overanalyzing your body and overanalyzing every part of you in a way. And it comes with trying to be a better performer, a better athlete, a better dancer. But behind that and underneath of that, there's always those underarching themes of if I look like this, I will end up like this. Or if I my body gets to a certain place physically, then physically I will be better, which is true in some ways as far as athleticism goes. But a lot of times there can be some negative downsides about that. And for me, I went to college in New York for dance and I spent every waking day in a leotard and tights and not just any leotard and tights, a leotard and pink tights. And ladies and gentlemen, if you could think about how many things you can hide in pink tights, zero. Nothing is hidden in pink tights. Uh, we, we by junior year, were, able, were allowed to finally wear a ballet skirt, which would somewhat cover, cover up your body a little bit so you can feel a little less in your head about it. But I've been there. I understand the mindset around over-focusing and just that's the only thing that you see when you look in the mirror is your body and what you want to change or what you think is wrong with it. And I hope that this episode gives you a little bit more perspective on that. I think Julia is a great example of learning how to shift your mindset around your body and how important that is. Because if you give yourself that allowance and a little bit less of your mind space is being used to think about your body and constantly what you want to change or diet or anything, that's honestly going to free up so many different areas of your life. When you're just thinking about your body all day long, you're not actually in your body. Like you're not grounded. You're not just in the moment. You're just thinking about, oh my God, I ate that thing. Oh my God, my shirt is pulling up. You can see my waist, all the things that go through your head. 
So I just want to say I've been there. I get it. We all struggle with it in some capacity. For men, it's a little bit different, but for women, it's about shrinking. For men, it's about getting bigger, which is just like a whole other episode in itself. Um, I don't think we should shrink ourselves ever. I think we should own and fill up space and be in the room and be in our bodies and grow to learn to this to do this thing that Julia will talk about of being body neutral. It is a never-ending practice and something that I work at as well to not overtrain my body, to not overwork it, to listen to it. And that doesn't mean being unhealthy or sitting in a place that's unhealthy as far as like overeating or anything like that. It just means being intuitive with my body and what it needs for fuel, for exercise, for rest, everything like that. So if you feel like this episode could resonate with someone, if you feel like someone else needs to hear it, please share it because it definitely makes a difference. And as always, guys, I always appreciate a five-star review. If you could leave one, amazing. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. New episodes every Wednesday. Here is Julia. Hi, everyone. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hi. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. It's good to see you. So if people don't know, we talked many uh, podcasts ago on one of my first iterations. So it's good to have you on this one. And I'm so happy to share what you do and who you are with people because it's pretty amazing. So if you could just tell everyone who you are, what you do, and what your work is. Yeah. So my name is Julia. Um, I'm also known as Fit, Fat, and All That on Instagram. Um, I'm a body acceptance influencer and an eating disorder recovery coach. So I work with all different types of women, um, helping them find a healthy relationship with their bodies, food, and fitness. Um, And yeah, I've been doing that for the last two years. and It's been so awesome. It's like my dream job. So I'm super grateful for what I do. It's amazing. Yeah. You can really tell from watching you and following you that you're like very much in alignment with what you're meant to be doing. I'm not sure what you were doing before this, but whatever it was, this seems like the (laughs) better option. (laughs) I was a nanny, a teacher, worked at a roofing company, trying to figure my shit out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We all go through those those periods, right? Um, So then what – let's go back to how you got into this place, this uh, work. Because you struggled with your own eating disorder and mm-hmm. all of that, which just makes you helpful for your um, clients. So can you yeah. just tell everyone about your journey and how that all started for you? Yeah. So I was always a really confident kid growing up. Um, I didn't start having body image issues until I was like 13 or 14 when I started to go through puberty and you know your body starts to change and you start to be interested in like boys and like you start wanting attention and all that type of stuff. And Um, I realized that my body didn't look like everybody else's. Um, I've always been like a curvier girl and a lot of my friends were really thin. And my sister is 5'11", blonde hair, blue eyed and like super thin. And so I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to look like. (laughs) And I was like, wait, like I look completely different. My body type is so different. And I started to get bullied for my weight. And I was never like a big kid or anything like that. It's just kids are cruel. And I had especially this one guy in high school that would call me like fat ass or like lard ass down the hallway. And mm. I ended up punching him in the face at a football yes, game. Yes, you did. So, <laughs> yes. And my grandpa sent me 50 bucks. He was like so proud of me. That's amazing. Um, but so I started to like think that, okay, I guess I need to change my body to be accepted, to be popular, to be liked, because you know, that's 
kind of that age where like you're starting to want to like fit in. Mm -hmm. And so I, at the time it was like special K diet and Atkins diet and like all that, those bullshit diets were (laughs) out. Oh my God. I know. It's so (laughs) stupid. And so I, I was always playing sports. I was really active, but I started to restrict um, my food intake and I was eating like 500 to 800 calories a day. And I was like playing sports. And obviously like as a growing teenager, like that is not enough calories Mm -hmm. to like sustain you or like have your brain functioning like cognitively well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I started feeling really tired and crabby and irritable. And, um, I started and like binging and I would find myself, um, binging in the evenings a lot because I was restricting during the day. Mm -hmm. And, And then I found myself purging. So my eating disorder turned into bulimia. And I struggled with that for a couple of years throughout high school and just my self-worth and feeling like I just had really low self-esteem and like horrible body image. And my eating disorder started to look a little bit different um, in college. And for me, I really didn't think I had an eating disorder anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't making myself throw up. I wasn't like intentionally restricting like massive calories, but I was doing my fitness pal. I was like eating 1200 calories a day. I was like, um, tracking my calories. I was like wearing a heart rate monitor and like working out a ton. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like, everybody's doing that. Like I, this seems normal. This is like what healthy is. And I was just so obsessed with like what I was eating, how much I weighed, it just consumed me. And I, I definitely developed like orthorexia. So like obsessively clean eating, um, compulsive exercise. And it wasn't until I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 24 that I decided I was like, maybe I should go see a therapist. Cause I was really struggling with my body image. I struggle with anxiety as well. And I was just like, Oh, this will help with my body image. And my therapist at the time was like, Mm, you definitely like still have an eating disorder. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I like, I feel like I'm not sick enough. And that's definitely something I see with my clients all mm-hmm. the time. It's like, I don't feel like it's bad enough. I don't feel like I'm sick enough. I don't look, I don't look like I have an eating disorder. Um, and that's what I really struggled with for a while is I never looked like, I mean, I was probably 30 or 40 pounds thinner than I am now but I never looked like emaciated. Mm-hmm. Like you see in the media, what like anorexia or an eating disorder looks like. Yeah. And, um, I worked with her and a registered dietitian for like three or four years while I was in LA and just kind of worked through all the shit that I was like hiding with my eating disorder. Um, and I can say that I've been fully recovered, um, for about six years now. Um, and I just loved being in that space. I started like sharing my journey on Instagram and like going to events on like body positivity and like inclusivity and just really immersing myself in that culture. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck, I really love this. Like this is something that I wish I would have had as a teenager to mm-hmm. see. Like maybe I can start sharing this on Instagram and it just kind of like blew up. Yeah. Um, it, there was like no intention behind like being an influencer doing any of this. And then I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is the space that I want to be in. Um, and yeah, so that's where I am now. Amazing. Well, congratulations on that very lifelong Thank journey. You. And you are – Yeah, it was a long journey. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of times you – well, people that are in the position that you are to help other people, you have to almost go through those things in order to relate. 100%. And, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious on, because you said that you're fully recovered now, like what does that mean for you? Like what do you look for mm-hmm. or what do you help try to help your clients get to as far as being in that like full recovered place? Yeah. And for each person, it's going to look different. There's no like 
definition of like what fully recovered is Mm -hmm. for me and kind of a lot of the goals that my clients and I have, um, when we're working together is knowing that like, I'm going to have bad body days. Like we're, we're human. We have bad body days. I have them. Um, but for me, like fully recovered is not engaging in any eating disorder behavior. So not intentionally restricting, um, no more binging. Um, I don't weigh myself. I don't own a scale. Um, I, don't body check often. And that's where, you know, like going in the mirror, sucking in, looking at your body, like Mm -hmm. that, those types of behaviors. And then I think a really big thing for recovery is when you are feeling triggered, when you are having a bad body day, or maybe something comes up that is bringing up some old feelings, maybe from your eating disorder, it's how do you cope with those uncomfortable emotions that come up? Mm -hmm. So for me in the past, I would have restricted or I would have binged or I would have gone to the gym and worked out and like numb the feelings that I was feeling. Whereas now I sit in the discomfort, I engage in self-care, I reach out for support. And so it's really changing, um, at least for me, full recovery is uh, the change in behaviors and it's more helpful versus unhelpful behaviors that I used to engage in. That makes sense. And you've told me about this before, but this idea of not necessarily like body positive, but like body neutral, is that something mm-hmm. that you still teach to your clients? And like, what does that exactly mean um, when you're yeah. talking about body neutral? Absolutely. I think a lot of us, if we've seen on Instagram, this idea of body positivity um, and like constantly loving your body, loving every single part of it. And for a lot of my clients and just a lot of people, this idea of loving every part of you seems so far-fetched, especially if you like really hate your body. It's like I'm I'm two different ends of the spectrum. And it's like, fuck, that seems like a lot of work to get (laughs) to the other side. And so this idea of body neutrality is learning to accept your body for what it is, understanding that maybe there are parts of it that I don't love or don't like, Mm -hmm. um, but I need to accept it and I need to appreciate it with, with love and respect. And removing so much attention from our body. We've gotten to a place of hating our bodies because we focus on them so much. And sometimes body positivity, we can overtly like focus on our bodies too much as well. And so it's kind of finding this middle ground of like understanding that like my body is the least important thing about me. And I'm grateful that it functions well, that it gets me through the day and like having appreciation for it versus like focusing on like the aesthetics of your body. What's interesting about that with body neutrality and less focus on your body, I feel like that's the only way for you to like tap in and get into your body. Because when you're like in your head about your body, you're not mm-hmm. in your body. You're like looking at it and analyzing it and that becomes your everything. Like I remember for me even like everyone struggles with this in some ways, but like being at auditions, if I would at one point be like, oh, this my shirt doesn't look as good and it's hitting this way and I don't like that. My whole mindset would go to that. I wouldn't pick up the combination. Yeah. I would just be like lost in the negative thoughts. Oh yeah. So yeah, you have to like trick yourself to get out of it, but it is a really good space to be in once you can figure out what you're doing. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just when I recovered, I was like, holy crap, I have so much more space in my brain to like think about other things. I was like, how did I get through college? And like, how did I do things when all I was doing was thinking about like how my body looked and like, how did it look when it was sitting down? Or like when I was having Mm -hmm. sex with someone, like, are they thinking about this and never being present? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, this is a whole different like space to be in and a great one. Yeah. That's a huge thing too, a partnership because 
when you're just like thinking about, oh, my body looks like this. But 20 times out of 10, your partner doesn't notice those things and that affects Oh my God, so yeah. <laughs> even sex, that has a huge effect on people don't even realize that. But when you're in your head, oh yeah, especially for women, you know, you're not going to get the results that you want if you're thinking about. It's so hard to like get off and like yeah. be like intimate with your partner when you're thinking about like, oh, do they think I look gross or blah, blah, blah. My belly is hanging out and I'm on top. Like, and my partner like loves every part of my body, even parts that I just like don't understand. I'm like, why do you like my belly or like cellulite in my butt? He's like, I don't know. I like it. And so it's just knowing that like, if you have a really good partner, they don't give two shits about that stuff and they don't see your body the way you see it either. That's true. That's yeah. A lot of times we don't see ourselves how other people see us. And that's very important for partnership too, to make sure someone is accepting of all parts of you. So how has that changed for you? Because you have this really awesome relationship with Carl. And how has like relationships now, since you're in this new place of body neutrality and acceptance, how is it now compared to past partners? Yeah. So it's vastly different. I think me just healing my eating disorder has made all relationships look different, friendships, um, romantic partnerships, all that type of stuff. But for me, I was really, really insecure in so many of my relationships. I was so fearful of being abandoned, being left for someone hotter, skinnier, prettier, and like constantly, I I definitely struggled with some like anxious attachment and like codependency. Um, just because I struggled with my self-worth and feeling like I wasn't worthy of having a healthy, happy relationship. And I was picking really toxic partners. I was picking people that validated that fear of um, not being good enough, making comments about my body, making comments about things that I wore. And once I worked through my eating disorder, I just, I had this confidence of like knowing my worth and understanding that like I deserve a healthy relationship. And Carl is just so wonderful at like understanding and like wanting to work with my anxiety or if I have a bad body day. I know that in the past, like if I had a bad body day, I either wouldn't tell my partners about it or, and it would come out in like irritability or anxiety, or I'd be like a bitch and they'd be like, what the hell? Um, Or I would just um, like bottle it up and, you know, just deal with it myself. And with Carl, um, it's just been so awesome to be like, oh, I'm kind of having a bad body day. And he's like, oh, what do you need, babe? Like, do you need me to give you some extra love or like, let's do X, Y, and Z. And it's just so nice to have a partner that doesn't judge me for um, my past or some of my insecurities Mm -hmm. that come up for me. And it's just so nice to be able to communicate in that type of way. Um, And I I think it's just because both him and I have done such great work on ourselves. And we also see like a couple's therapist just because we have different communication skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's just been like a breath of fresh air to have that type of relationship now. Yeah. I think that's major that when you can fully accept yourself and they can fully accept you. And then even when you're not fully like your best self, like your partner's going to see all sides of you, good and bad. Mm -hmm. And when they can be open to that and because they're not, not, maybe not fully going to understand like what bad body day means for like you for them, but just to be open to that and like to be someone that can help and offer that is so major. Yeah. And like, Carl's like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, he's like, I don't understand it. And like, that's okay. And like, the thing is, is I don't want my partner to fully understand it because that means then they also struggle with it. So it's like nice that he doesn't understand it fully, but he wants to, and he like supports me. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a very different relationship than I've ever had before and very refreshing. It's beautiful. 
So what would you say to people who have these thoughts and don't really know how to say them to their partner? Or if they're afraid of saying that or if they'll be accepting of that, do you have advice for someone that's like, I don't know how to explain this to my boyfriend or girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's actually a really good podcast episode um, by Jessie Jean. She's one of my best friends and she has a podcast and she has one on like how to explain. And I think it's on binge eating, but like how to explain my eating disorder to like my loved ones. Because a lot of the time, if we don't, if our partner doesn't really understand what's going on, we can feel a lot of shame mm-hmm. um, with our eating disorders, our behaviors, or our thoughts that, because we feel embarrassment. Like, this is kind of like crazy. I'm, you know, like in my, in the past, I like used to chew and spit or I used to make myself throw up. Like, that's, that can be embarrassing, you know, for our partners to hear. And I think it's just slowly starting to open up and saying, Hey, I have some things that, you know, I struggle with in terms of body image. I found this article that would be really helpful, or maybe we could read this book together. Mm -hmm. Um, and just knowing that it's okay if your partner doesn't fully understand, um, and doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It's not the point for them to like completely understand what you're feeling, but just to be there to support you. Um, and I always recommend like having a therapist or a coach and maybe having a session with your partner and saying, Hey, can you come to me with the, in, during this session and we can have a conversation about it. So I feel supported with, you know, my therapist or my coach. And I do that with my clients too. Um, just because it can be a, a scary, uncomfortable conversation to have. Yeah. It's kind of like bearing it all essentially in those parts yeah, of yourself. Super vulnerable. Yeah. Absolutely. Super vulnerable. Um, what are some signs for someone, maybe for a partner or something that someone might have an eating disorder? Because they, from what you've said and from what I've seen, they they have so many different levels to what an eating disorder is, what it can look like. Is mm-hmm. there signs or something that you can share with us that for us? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to note that the dialogue that we have around food, I think, is a really big indicator. If there's a lot of conversation of like, this is good, this is bad, I feel really guilty about eating this, Um, I'm going to go on a diet, like a lot of back and forth of like yo-yo dieting. For Mm -hmm. me, it was like, you know, I would binge on the weekend, I would have my like, quote unquote, cheat days on like Friday and Saturday, and then like, Monday, I would feel really anxious and tell my partner, like, oh, I'm going back on a diet. I'm, you know, getting my life back in control. Like, those are kind of red flags of like, oh, maybe something's going on with like the relationship with food if they're feeling really guilty and shameful about what they're eating. Because guilt and shame have no space um, in what we eat. Mm -hmm. Um, Food doesn't have a moral compass. So, food isn't good or bad, it's just food. And some food has more nutritional value than others, or some is more like nutritionally dense, but it doesn't mean that it's better than any other food. So being really mindful of that, I think also being mindful of like the dialogue that they have around their bodies. You know, if there's a lot of like body shaming, I feel fat, I feel gross, I'm disgusting, you know, asking their partners for validation or saying like, do I look okay? Is this okay? Like weighing themselves that those are types of behaviors that, you know, are kind of disordered because if you're constantly body checking all day, if you're weighing yourself multiple times a day, if you're having, you know, bad body days day after day crying about, you know, the way you look, then yeah, that's a red flag that maybe something's going on. And also um, your relationship with movement. If you're feeling like, oh, last night I had pizza, I better get to the gym today because I'm feeling really guilty. Mm-hmm. These these feelings all seem very normal because they're very normalized in our society and yeah. diet culture and wellness culture. 
but we don't need to compensate with working out. Like working out and movement should be for enjoyment and it should mm-hmm. be because we know it makes our bodies feel good. It makes us feel strong and it releases those endorphins. And if you're, you know, oh, I got to reach, you know, 500 calories in my workout or I, you know, got to um, get this you know, amount of things burned or whatever it is throughout a workout. Like those are kind of signs that maybe something's going on and just always asking your partner, like saying like, Hey, I noticed that, you know, you're kind of doing X, Y, and Z with food, or you're feeling really guilty and you're going to the gym a lot. Like, is something going on? Is there something that you want to talk about? And just like normalizing those conversations. Yeah. you made so many great points with all of that. Yeah. It's, it's because it is so normalized in media and social media and just, it's, we're used to seeing like diet culture and it's January 1st and like, what are your new mm-hmm. goals? And like all of those things that are just become everyday things about our world, but they don't necessarily need to be like that. And speaking of like media and all of that, I get a lot of questions. I was on The Bachelor and people always ask like, why is there not why don't they have Kirby women? Anyone ever? over the size yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? What is that? Like why? I feel like I was trying to think of the shows that represent like Kirby women or things like that. And the only thing I can think of really was like some of the housewives kind of or like negative connotations like my a thousand pound life or my yeah. like mm-hmm. my um the biggest my thousand loser. pound sister uh, yeah the like, thousand pound sisters yeah. is the thing that's like now. But mm-hmm. why? No. why is that you think? So it's really interesting because, you know, it's really hard to think of shows or characters where women are bigger and they're portrayed as like confident and loving themselves. You know, I think of the show, like the sitcom King of Queens, the woman's really cute and like beautiful. And the husband, you know, is in a larger body. You never see the reverse. You never Never. see a woman in a larger body and like a ripped, attractive man. Like you never see that. The only time you see like Uh, that type of relationship is in like Roseanne and they're both in larger bodies. And I think it's because there's a lot more pressure for women to look a certain way. I mean, we even give men the excuse of like dad bods. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Moms need to like snap right back after like growing the baby for nine months and pushing it out. Yet dad bods are like, oh yeah, dad bods are hot. But like, what about mom bods? So I think I think what it is, is that like women for so long have just been viewed as like a sexual object as like the most important things are our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we have to like keep up with with these expectations. We have to keep up with like looking pretty, looking put together, smiling all the time and like always being this like perfect wrapped up little package. Whereas Mm -hmm. like men kind of have a little bit more of an excuse to just like be who they want to be. And yeah, there's pressure definitely for men, but it's way different for women. And I think in our society, you know, for the longest time, we've portrayed people in larger bodies or fat bodies as just unhealthy, unhappy. Um, They aren't worthy of loving relationships. They're not taken seriously. And that's just bullshit. Like I know plenty of people in large fat bodies that have wonderful relationships, that have wonderful families, that have successful jobs. And so I think there is just a really big fear that like, if I become fat or if I'm in a larger body, then I'm going to be looked at as less than, Mm -hmm. um, just because we live in a very fat phobic society. Yeah, that's so true. 
And it's it's everywhere. And I think it just starts with like big shows like The Bachelor and people like mm. things like oh, that, yeah. that that just like start inserting that because the more that you see it, the more normalized it is and it's less like a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. they started doing that this year with race a little bit, but mm-hmm. now we just need to keep pushing the envelope. I, think. I know. I saw something on TikTok about the like running and jumping and it was like, yeah, they can run and jump into his arms because they're like, you know, 120 pounds. Yeah. But like, I think I've only once seen a plus size model on there and she like left the first night. I think yeah. it was like Bo Stanley or something a couple seasons back. But I mean, the thing is, is there are plenty of men that love curvy bodies. So, and so many. Yeah. Like my boyfriend has always like loved like a thicker girl yeah. and, you know, especially in like the black community as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they want big booties, they want curvy bodies. And so it's like, why aren't we giving men the opportunity to like have different choices of body types as well? Yeah. yeah it's like all one cookie cutter show. With yeah. People yeah. Look just the same. different colored hair. Hopefully yeah. you like that one because that's yeah. all you're going to get. Yeah. That's right? so true. Um, and the other thing too, I, I keep seeing these TikTok videos of like, stop normalizing body acceptance and body positivity because it's unhealthy. Like, what do you say to people that say like, oh, if you're going to get to this body acceptance place, like that's equals unhealthiness. Like what mm-hmm. defines healthy for you? Yeah. I think a lot of people think that intuitive eating and body acceptance is just like not giving a shit about your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like just not caring and it's like eating fast food all day. And that's just not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, intuitive eating is like listening to your body's hunger cues and it's fullness cues and understanding that your body needs a range of different foods. And if that means like pizza and burgers, like that's okay too. Um, and, and health is going to look different on every single person. And to those people that are like, stop promoting this, stop promoting that. Do you have nothing better to do than police like strangers health on the internet? Like I can, mm-hmm. one of my biggest pet peeves is like, what makes you so important to think that your opinion about a stranger's body is valid? Like, mm-hmm. why are we policing other people's health? That's none of our business unless yeah. they ask for it. And so it's like, If someone exists in a fat body or a larger body, it's not my job to tell them if I think they're healthy or not, because Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I haven't, I haven't seen their blood work. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't determine if they're healthy or not based on just looking at them. And I think what has been ingrained in our society is that fat equals unhealthy and thin equals healthy. And that's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a lot thinner than I am now, I was making myself throw up on the daily. Like that's not healthy. healthy. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, everybody was like, you look so good. And then when I recovered and gained weight, no one was like congratulating me. Everyone was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, this chick gained weight. Yeah. There's so much judgment around it. And that is so true that we not everyone, but a lot of people make judgments on other people. A lot of that has to do with body types. And it's, I see it for you a lot. Like I, I don't know if you just show it more, but I feel like you, you receive a lot of like positive feedback, but also like just as negative on the Mm -hmm. other end of it. Like, can you talk about that spectrum for you and like how you deal with that? Cause you share a lot of it on your Instagram. Yeah. And you know, I have like some followers that'll be like, don't even give them the platform. Like don't draw attention to this. And for me, I think it's important for people to see that like being an influencer and like being in this like limelight is not all like rainbows and puppies. Mm -hmm. Like it can be Mm -hmm. a fucking headache and it can like really like take a toll on your self-esteem and your mental health. And so 
For me, I just have really strong boundaries in terms of like who I engage with or like when I want to engage in that type of conversation. I have someone that does my DMs, um, like my DM requests. So a lot of the time I don't see it. Obviously, if it's like comments on, you know, my videos and stuff like that, I've gotten to a space where I'm like, yo, if you're some stranger that's creating like a fake Instagram to come to my page and make me feel bad, like misery loves company. You must be like so unhappy with who you are to judge someone else for being happy and being in like a curvy body. Like Mm -hmm. that, that must suck to be them. And I mean, some days are harder than others. And I, you know, recently, I think it was this past summer, I started crying because I did gain some weight in my relationship. And I had this troll like call me out about and be like, you're so fat and you're so gross. And one of my biggest fears in my relationship was, you know, if I gain weight, my partner isn't going to love me anymore. So it definitely brought up some old feelings that I've had with my eating disorder. Um, and luckily Carl's like so supportive and he's like, no, I don't give a fuck like what happens. But yeah, some days are harder than others. And I think it's just knowing when to like shut off and like get off Instagram. Um, luckily I have such supportive and wonderful followers for the most part, but yeah, there's some shitty ones in there too. There's some real (laughs) shitty ones. Yeah. You'd be surprised at some DMs that people with a following get and I think it's just I don't know if it's just like projecting what the idea of what they feel like this lifestyle is and if it's jealousy or if it's triggering something in them I'm not sure but it's it's insane I feel like it's almost getting worse with like Oh yeah, the way social media is going and cancel culture. TikTok is horrible TikTok is too. TikTok horrible. is toxic. <laughs> yeah, I like whenever I post on TikTok, I just don't look at the comments because it's just like <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah, there's so no. many trolls on there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's like I don't know what that's about. Uh, it I was like it's Facebook. Always been, Facebook's bad too, but I yeah. don't do shit with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so I, you kind of just have to learn how to ignore it. And you, I like that you do show it, so people maybe will check themselves. Probably not. Um, hmm. Do you feel like engaging with people like that is helpful and makes changes or do you think it just makes it work? You know, it depends. There's sometimes where I'm just like, I want to like say something really nice just to like show this person that like, you're not going to get under my skin. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I really just want to bitch them out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels really good. And honestly, there are the ones where it's like the fake profiles with zero followers, zero, yeah. like those are the people where it's like, they, they don't care what you say to them. They just want to hurt your feelings versus like maybe someone else that says maybe a judgmental comment. Like I had a girl say like, Oh, it looks like your bathing suit bottom doesn't really fit you. Maybe you should order a size up. And I was like, Hey, it's not really your business yeah. to tell me <laughs> what size I should wear. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I was just, and I was like, Yeah, that's not like a helpful comment. No. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So. I hate comments like, no, that doesn't fit you. It's not flattering. I'm like, it's not your body. Didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't ask. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Great. I don't yeah. I, I will never understand it, but I do appreciate people like you that are like, listen. Yeah. I hear you, but don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, the unsolicited advice and opinions are like my biggest pet peeve. They're so bad. And I, I appreciate things that you do on your social media. You go on these rants. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there's a whole um file of them if you or highlights there if you guys want to go see yeah. them. But what is your latest like rant or what is something that you uh, want to rant about right now? <laughs> this intuitive fasting that Gwyneth Paltrow yes. is promoting and this stupid book. And what really pisses me off, and I got into some like conversations with my followers because people were like, so it's this book called Intuitive Fasting. And it's like intermittent fasting mixed with ketogenic, mixed with intuitive eating, which 
intuitive, you, you can't intuitively fast. Like those two yeah. cannot coexist. Um, fasting is like a purposeful restricting in a, a, a time window. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing intuitive about that. If you're forcing yourself to not eat, then that's not intuitive. And so what pisses me off about this book is that they're using this word to make it like wrapped up in a pretty nice anti-diet bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, Praying on vulnerable communities of people that think like, oh, this is intuitive. Like I've heard about intuitive eating. This is maybe a way for me to get healthy and lose weight, but in an intuitive way. It's kind of like Noom, this like app that's like mm-hmm. all about intuitive eating, but it's like such bullshit. It's like it's just diet basketball. culture. <laughs> yes. It is. It is. And it's like the calories they like a lot for people are like nothing. And so it just pisses me off. And then people are coming into my DMs saying like, well, I have to fast because of Um, my chronic illness, or I have to Mm. fast because of my medication. I'm like, listen, I'm not saying you can't fast if it works for you. Like I'm not, I will never tell someone they have to do something that this is the way to live. I'm only sharing my experiences and Mm. what I know. And I'm anti-diet. I don't agree with dieting. I don't think it's helpful. If it works for you, great. I'm not going to judge you for it. Mm -hmm. My issue is using a word that the recovery world uses like intuitive and putting it in front of a diet and calling it healthy when it's just enough, like, let's just call it what it is. It's a fucking yeah. diet. It's a diet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also coming from like the skinniest woman on planet earth. Like, <laughs> so, I know. I'm like, I'm just another skinny white woman. Yeah. Like, just telling us how to yeah. die. Yeah. But it's funny because I feel like with when you're writing books or things like that, they always try to uh, get words that are easily Googleable. So that mm-hmm. would make sense why she's using that. But then she's, yeah, not using it for what it's intended to be used for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I even had a follower say like, oh, I was looking for an intuitive eating book and this came up. And oh I was like, God. see, that's what fucking sucks. Yeah. It's someone that's vulnerable that is trying to move away from diet. It's like, oh, intuitive fasting. And then yeah. they purchase it and it's just another fucking diet. And I've tried the fasting, like to do like the 10 out. I'm like, I'm hungry now and I'm going to eat. Like, and it's, it's just so bad for women's hormones. Yeah. Like women are yes. not supposed to fast. Like it is very different for men. Hormonally for women, it does not work for our that hormone levels. That is a huge point. Yeah. The yeah. Hormones, I think a lot of people, I've gotten into like following my cycle for what to mm-hmm. intuit- intuitively yeah. eat because it's we're so different. Where men, I think their cycle restarts from day to it's day like, where ours yeah. is like a month. So mm-hmm. we can't eat the same as them. We can't fast Mm-mm. the same as them. And I think that's important to not yeah. – so most of these studies have been on men as far as like diet culture, keto, 100%. Even Even the BMI, like this like white European man was the one that created it and it was like studies of like European men. So it like doesn't yeah. take into account women. Like I'm considered obese and I'm like that's such bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely not. Oh, yeah. So I think that's something to definitely take a look at when you're looking at these things because – yeah. Who are they testing on? So for someone that might be struggling right now or wanting to start a journey towards body neutrality, like where would you suggest starting and Mm -hmm. how would you support them? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And I just talked about this yesterday on my Instagram of curating a feed that's more supportive of you. If you go to like who you're following and you're just following a bunch of thin women, um, that's, that's going to be an issue. You're going to go online and think like, this is what everybody looks like. And so it's yeah. like, let's diversify our feed. Let's have 
handicapped bodies. Let's have black bodies, uh, fat bodies, curvy bodies. Let's have, you know, some registered dietitians that are in this eating disorder space and recovery space and start following um, pages that are more supportive for this like anti-diet body neutrality type of space. Mm-hmm. Um and then start with some education. So two of my favorite books, um, Health at Every Size is really great. And then Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Trebol, I believe is who the author is. Um, but super helpful is just kind of like the basics behind and the guidelines with intuitive eating and health at every size really just breaks down kind of those barriers and the messaging that we have around like needing to be a certain size to be healthy. So I definitely recommend starting there. Um, and then if you feel like you're really, really in it and you're like really struggling with an eating disorder, definitely find like a therapist that, um, Mm. is, Uh, specializes in eating disorders or like a recovery coach like myself or like a registered dietitian that um, focuses on eating disorders because having a support team is going to be like crucial in your recovery. Uh, I was wondering for like during quarantine, Mm -hmm. what did you see was like the biggest thing for people struggling with eating disorders, being stuck inside and regular routines? Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I think things are actually way worse than I thought. Like if you don't have to, you know, get dressed and go to work and, you know, run errands and all this stuff, like we're stuck at home with our thoughts and feelings all the time. And so I think things were feeling really exacerbated and feeling a lot worse than maybe if we had a normal routine. And I noticed a lot of my like clients' behaviors, maybe if they, you know, had been in recovery for a while or working towards it, a lot of old behaviors started to come up like binging or restricting or um, compulsive exercise, that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely saw an influx of clients during the beginning of quarantine because I think people were like, oh shit, like I need some support here because I'm all alone and I'm like with my thoughts all day. I think one that year brought up a lot for everyone. Oh yeah. On <laughs> what your things were, but yeah, it was, we were forced to look at ourselves from all angles oh, yeah. and just sit, sit in it a lot of times. So I'm sure that a lot of people might've needed that support. Yeah. Um, I think last few questions I have is like, you are so good on social media and like representing yourself and the people that need to be, need this message so well. Like, do you ever have roadblocks or like moments where you're like, what do I, what do I talk about? Is this landing or, mm-hmm. and my last question on that is like, do you have a social media like mission statement or something that you're trying to accomplish with? Yeah. I, oh God, I really struggle with like creativity and like feeling the need to kind of be on. Um, Mm -hmm. in the past with like Instagram, I felt the need to like post every day and like have something of value. And I think for me, I, I, think a lot of my followers just like that I'm really genuine and authentic. Um, and mm-hmm. I sometimes just post fashion stuff. Sometimes I just post fun stuff. Sometimes I post like really deep stuff. And so I try to not put too much pressure on my expectations. Um, mm-hmm. My business is doing really well. My following is still growing. Like I have a successful like job and career. And so I'm not really worried if I miss, you know, a couple posts for a couple days. Yeah. I know for myself that it doesn't work if I put too much pressure on myself. In terms of like my mission statement, I think it's just really helping women just be comfortable in who they are, feeling confident and okay in their bodies and knowing that like our self-worth is just inherent and it doesn't come from like how we look or what our bodies um, look like. Yeah, I just really hope that this like body acceptance space just really starts to grow. And it's been great to see like over the last 10 years or so, how much has Mm -hmm. changed in the media and like the modeling industry and the fashion industry. So I just hope that it keeps going that way. I agree. I actually wanted to tell you 
one of uh, I was doing like a question sticker thing and someone was asking about like body positivity and like stuff like that. And I, I tagged you in it and she reached out to me and was like, oh, my God, I almost started crying. I'm in a coffee shop right now and I've never seen like an influencer or someone with like a following look like me and Aww. be so accepting and like happy in her body. And she's like, thank you so much for sharing that. So like, oh, I love what that. you do matters. And I was like, yeah, I'm so happy that I did share that because people need to see. Oh, thank you. Like yeah. yeah. And, and I think that was the biggest thing too. It was like, okay, what it, what do I wish I would have seen when I was really struggling? And it's like women with softer bellies and like, you know, dancing around and feeling confident and okay and eating like yummy meals and not feeling guilty. And so I just want to share that it's like possible to be okay and feel okay in your body um, and not have to change it. Yeah. And I think the difference too with you, it's like you authentically do it. Like it doesn't feel like you're pretending you're like, it just, you, you can read it through the screen that like you're happy. Oh, thank and you. that you're, that's what you're trying to promote. So can you just tell everyone like what, a little bit about your coaching if they're mm-hmm. like looking into that and like how like, you can help them? Yeah. So, um, right now I have a wait list, but you're more than welcome to join. Um, and everything is on fit, fat and all that.com. I do one-on-one coaching through a platform called healthy and it's all HIPAA compliant. Um, and we follow like a code of ethics. So that is one thing to be really mindful of, of if you're going to hire a coach is there's a lot of coaches on the internet now. And so being really mindful and doing your research and finding ones that, um, are legit. And so mm-hmm. I work with my clients just on a weekly basis through a virtual zoom calls. And yeah, I work with all ranges, binge eating disorder, body image issues, anorexia, bulimia. Um, and yeah, I love doing it. It's super fun. So yeah, definitely fill out the form. It's on my website if you guys are interested. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you do that and share that. I'm so happy that you have a wait list. That's incredible. Yeah. I love it. Um, last question I have, this podcast is about sharing something. So I just want to ask and leave the floor open if there's anything on your heart or your mind or anything big or little that you'd like to share with the people listening. I think, and this is something that's been coming up. I've, I've been on a couple podcasts this week. Um, and it's not like super like what's the word I'm trying to think of groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I hate when I can't think of things. Um, for me, I think just like not taking yourself so seriously. Like I think a lot of our, like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like be put together all the time, like have our career figured out, have like the love of our life and like do everything so perfectly that we kind of miss the point of enjoying life. And like, you know, just not taking ourselves so seriously and like, engage in play, engage in like laughing, like just enjoy life and know that things mm-hmm. will come together in the way that they're supposed to. So yeah, that's my groundbreaking, groundbreaking. thing to share with you all. It was. <laughs> yeah. It's like focusing less on the end goal or the thing that you want to accomplish, whether yes. you accomplish it or not. It's like the process. And yes. Like life is all that. the in-betweens. It's not a destination. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we'll leave it on that. Can you just tell us one more time your social media? Yeah, it's Fit Fat and all that. It's so good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.